Katie Sietta is an actress and producer living in Los Angeles. She is from Pittsburgh, where I first met her working on a feature film project there. She recently helped produce and acted in a short film called Strangers. This interview, we talk about moving out to LA, kind of the pros and cons of living in LA, and also just some general things about being an actor and a producer, how those two things work together and why there's so many actors that also dip their toes into producing. So I really thought this ended up being an awesome episode. It's a little echoey, we were were filming in her place and the room that we filmed in just was a little echoey. So that is a thing in this episode, but I think you'll enjoy it. It also goes a little bit over the half hour mark, but I didn't really want to cut any more stuff because I liked all of the content in here. So please enjoy. Welcome, Katie. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, such a, it's always such a weird transition to go from just like talking into like, okay, show We've already been talking for like 45 minutes, but hi. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Hi, Katie. Hi. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Will you want to introduce who you are? Yeah, sure. I am Katie Sieta, and I am an actor and producer in LA. In Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Yeah, I've got- not Louisiana. <laughs> hey, I mean, there's a there's a booming film industry in Louisiana. <laughs> I know. I, know I actually <laughs> I actually just uh, did a workshop with a locations manager oh, named really? Charlie Brown. That's actually his name. And he said that's really helped him in the film industry because it's easy to remember and everyone's like, oh, you're the guy that's named Charlie Brown. And he does out of New Orleans and he's like making a killing. He's worked on like American Horror Story, like like all of these. He worked on Logan. He was the main uh, locations manager for Logan. So yeah, Louisiana, L.A. (laughs) (laughs) Louisiana, L.A. (laughs) But yeah, so you are from Pittsburgh. Yes, I'm from a really small town outside of Pittsburgh. Me like too. Pittsburgh. Yeah, pretty much. We met in Pittsburgh <laughs> yeah. doing the film industry stuff yes. there. And what made you jump to L.A.? Was that always part of the plan or was it kind it of? It was yeah. always part of the plan. I first came to L.A. when I was like, I think I was nine. I was young and I came out here by myself. I have extended family who live out here um, who are also like loosely in the industry. And we did like headshots. We did oh, We did headshots, we did, um, you know, like some castings, I went on my first couple auditions, and I ended up taking, like, the rejection too too harshly, Mm. and so my parents were like, no, you can go to theater camp, but we're not taking you on auditions yet, (laughs) and so I went back to Pittsburgh, and um, just kind of did the same thing there for a little while, did theater camp, and then, um, you know, as I grew up, I like went back and forth on whether or not I even wanted to be an actor for a really long time. And then after I graduated school, got my office job and had time to like settle into my life, I was like, no, it's who I am. I have to do it. And so I jumped back into it. And LA was the obvious choice because I have such like a strong um, family support system out here. Yeah. Well, that's definitely good. I know I've talked to so many people. I've been here for a little bit over or a little bit under a week. And like every single person I've talked to, they're like, yeah, I just dropped everything, moved out here, didn't even have a place to live. And like, like that is, I mean, that's something that I would do (laughs) totally. But for most people, that's pretty like dramatic. So having family out here definitely makes it make a lot more sense. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, that was definitely not my approach. I, I had an agent out here already lined up. I came out here like prior to moving and had I met with a bunch of different agents and I picked the one that was the best fit. I kind of waited in Pittsburgh until I had a good solid work opportunity to move here before just like, I mean, I did sell all of my stuff and move out here with yeah, two suitcases. Right, yeah. So I still have that like nice, like, um, like whimsical part of the whisking off to LA to follow my dream story, but it was like predetermined and planned out. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't just like one weekend, like, Oh, I'm going to do that. So overall, do you feel that that was a good move to make career wise? Obviously. I mean, you seem to be doing really yeah. well now. So yeah, I mean, absolutely. It, I will say like, if anyone's thinking listening to this and thinking about like dropping their whole life and moving to LA, um, there is a growing period, like a growing pain kind of period. I think the first year is really hard because you have to like, you don't get to have your new life and keep your old life. And there's lots of grieving that you have to do mm, yeah. for your old life because everything changes, your whole circle, your everyone. Right. Like you think it's going to stay the same and it just doesn't. Yeah. That's like, I see that a lot with a bunch of different people that make that transition. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, the first year is definitely that like struggle period. So now that you are out here, you are also producing. I yes. mean, the main audience of this podcast is producers or like f filmmakers. Mm -hmm. So I'd kind of like to talk about that side of things sure. if, if you'd like to. Yeah. A lot of actors are actors and producers. And I think I talked to, I don't know if you know who Kevin Intrinonato is. He's like a bi-coastal indie filmmaker slash actor. And he was in acting for like 14 years or something. He before was he, in acting or he was? He was. Oh, okay. And then he started also producing films and now he's doing really well because he's able to take the initiative and say this is a project I want to make happen yeah and can make it happen yeah is that something that you've always had on your radar or is it or you were kind of forced into that part of the business so in in Pittsburgh my first or uh, I think it was my second feature my second feature I was cast in it in a supporting role and then like through um you know I just like really hit it off with the director got along with her really well um she started telling me more of the like production side of the project. And I kind of just like, I just asked her, I was like, can I help you make this happen? Like, what can I do? She's like, well, you can be an associate producer. And so that was like my first intro to producing. And it's basically just making things happen. And, <laughs> <Yeah>. then, <laughs> and then after that, I worked at a magazine where I was um, a producer for their the whole fashion section of their magazine. So that's like large largely the same thing just yeah taking a creative idea and then making it exist yeah handling all of those logistic it's, things. it's funny because yeah. people are always like oh no one really knows what a producer does and it's like yeah we do producers make things happen that's we like produce we things. produce the things yes all of and it can apply to so many things it's the same in the music industry same in film industry fashion mm -hmm. like events event producers there yeah. are people that are organized I did some of that at one point and it's it was seriously it's all just problem solving it's like yeah with creative endeavors whatever it is mm -hmm. there's always there's never like a oh this is how it happens mm -hmm. <laughs> there's totally. always like a, a lot of problems that come up that don't have answers that are yeah. obvious right so yeah that becomes a huge part of that job totally so um yeah, that was my first project. And then when I moved out here, my uh, friend Austin approached me with a script that he had written. And he was like, I want to I wanna make this and I want you to be the lead actor in it. 
And so I read the script and I liked it a lot. And I was like, okay, let's make this. Like, this is easy. We can do this. And then I just kind of like became the producer on that project as well. And so that was the first thing. That's my short film, Strangers, that I produced totally by myself. And <laughs> it was, um, it's a short film. It's only eight minutes long, but it was like, like a huge, like crash course in producing because I had to handle everything. Yeah. And it's I didn't always know how to handle everything, but I had to learn. Why did you end up being the producer on that film? Was that just because you had a little bit of experience on that or just kind of no one else was going to do it? <laughs> so. Yeah. So I like, I kind of already had the title of producer from my like previous experience at the, um, the magazine and with my other film. So when Austin brought the idea to me, he didn't have anybody that was like really a, a big go-getter attached to it just yet to like kind of make it all happen. And I was, and he had like reservations on like how he would even do it. And I've like had all the answers to those things. So I just kind of like yeah, came yeah. into the role. Right. And you definitely like, have no, that. I'm the producer. That like mindset, <laughs> because we were talking about a film idea that I have before we started the interview and immediately you're like, oh, you could do this and this and this yeah. and this, how you can solve that problem. Um, I think that's super valuable as an actor, even if you, I mean, obviously when you're on a big set, they already have that stuff taken care of, but if you're on indie film sets and stuff, mm -hmm. it's nice to be able to, as a producer, I like it whenever an actor can contribute yeah. in other ways besides, I want them to focus on that, that's their job is acting. But like, right. if a problem comes up, everyone putting their brains together is a nice like way to solve problems rather than it all being on one person. And it's nice yeah. when actors can contribute to that for yeah, sure. Totally. And with strangers, it was, and even, you know, the way that I am, the other film I was a producer on, a lot of the producing happened before the, the actual onset. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Before, before As the most day. producing like, should take yeah. note guys. <laughs> you shouldn't have so, much work to do on set. So once I'm on set, it's kind of, I'm just an actor. Yeah. You know? I'm, you, still the, I'm still the producer you there's also, a big issue. But yeah, but you also know things yeah. are going to work because you've, you've helped take care of that stuff ahead of time. I've planned it that way. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you find that that has been generally useful for you to be able to kind of make projects happen rather than necessarily having to wait around for... Uh, projects to come to you yeah so I think um, as an actor if you you know you come to LA I mean you can play the audition game and I think that you should but I also think that it's super important to you know take some initiative in your own career and you know write your own projects and make friends with people who aren't actors make friends with people who are writers and um, sound designers and composers and editors and you know directors of photography and directors and like get all your friends together and make something yeah because that's why you're here you didn't come here to when that. really like the people that are going to hire you for other things or even going to tell you about the auditions are going to do and i mean probably even your agent is going to take you more seriously because they have a bunch of other actors that are they're representing too mm -hmm. they're going to take you more seriously if you've done more projects right so especially when you're first starting out like yeah initiating those projects although you see it too like even bigger actors that produce a lot of stuff because they want to produce they want to act in the films that they want to see get made and yeah. sometimes they have to be the one to get it made well I just I just think that I mean just because you're an actor doesn't mean you're not a filmmaker like you are a filmmaker yeah that's your passion like that's my I have like three big goals in my life and it's to make movies see the world and take care of my family yeah. so making movies 
I want to be an actor. I mean, I am an actor, but I also want to, um, you know, explore the other side of filmmaking and just make sure that films are getting made. Yeah. That's like part of my purpose. Yeah. I like that. I think that, um, a lot of filmmakers don't give actors that credit. Yeah. They don't consider them part of the, I don't know why. Because, I mean, you consider, like, an editor a filmmaker, you consider your cinematographer a filmmaker, why are you not considering, I don't know if people consider their sound guys a filmmaker. They should, though. They should. They're there. Yeah, they're there, and they're making the film happen. Yeah, they're making the film. Yeah, and they probably could do small stuff on their own, too, if they wanted to. Totally. What's been kind of your best success so far since you've been in L.A.? It doesn't necessarily have to be producing, just acting. I'm just curious. Best success so far in L.A.? Um, Well... I'll say two. There's some uh, larger auditions that I was able to go to, and I think even just getting those auditions is a huge success. Um, I didn't get the part, but I got the audition, I got in the room, and I think that that's like a success in and of itself. And I think the other one would be Strangers. Like, that's a huge accomplishment for me, like taking a stack of papers and turning it into a living, breathing film, and now it's on its festival circuit. And, People are giving us good feedback and that's just, it's really good to make something and put it out there and receive like. Oh yeah. I mean, um, that's why we, it's just an amazing feeling. Yeah, I know. (laughs) So what, what was the like distribution? I'm interested with the short film. Like what did you do with that after just festivals or what festivals? So yeah, it goes on a festival run. And then after that, if people are interested in the film as a feature, you can write up a treatment and pitch it to some studios um, I don't know if that's necessarily the the route we're going to take with Strangers. We might. We might not. We're not really sure right now. What is Strangers about? I actually don't think I've seen anything about this besides so, maybe like a few posts about it on 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 the interwebs. <laughs> yeah. So Strangers is a short film about a woman caught in an abusive marriage and a lesbian affair, and it's a large metaphor for how we interact with our own ego and our higher self. So it's a really um, like. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yeah. It's, that sounds actually really interesting to me. But it's, it's a crazy little short film. <laughs> yeah. So that you can see the trailer and stuff on my, my Instagram or my website. Okay. Yeah. I'll throw a link up there cool. before you throw this down. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone wants to see it. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, so you said you, you just start the festival circuit. So you mm-hmm. have. We're just getting our like acceptance, you know notifications and stuff we've been a finalist a semi-finalist and official selection we're gonna premiere in late march did you have a strategy for like which festivals you applied to in which order or anything like that or did you just kind of like apply to a bunch of them we applied to a bunch of them (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think the ones that were coming up (laughs) yeah yeah um like what level of festivals were you trying to do and what one are you premiering and i'm curious uh, the Golden State Film Festival in March at the Chinese Theater in Hollywood. Oh, cool. So that's going to be a really cool experience. Um, but yeah, a lot of the festivals our director picked out. Mm. So I actually don't know too much about what the strate- the strategy was. Right. But we aimed for, you know, a lot of like short film festivals because we're a short film. And yeah, like yeah. Some experimental ones because we're kind of, it's kind of like a weird little film. And There's definitely a pretty big, there's so many short film festivals out there. Yeah. There's like a big... Uh, it's pretty much the place where short films can really shine. I guess it's probably why. Yeah. Because, yeah, and it's also nice as an audience member, you get to like taste a bunch of different stories 
Yeah. And you don't like necessarily have to sit and watch a two hour movie where you're not really sure if it's going to be good or not. Yeah. <laughs> or and it's also like it. an incredible showcase for all of the talent on the film on both sides of the camera, you know, for other filmmakers to see and be like, Oh, this person's. Yeah. Oh yeah. I found a lot of collaborators yeah. through festivals that I've attended. Absolutely. Uh, like even if I'm in it or not, uh, I guess most of the festivals I've been to have had a film in, but usually yeah the benefit of it is more the networking and like the other basically for me as a producer discovering other talent yeah and being like wow this cinematographer is like top tier yeah why are they only doing short films like i need to hire them on for a feature film type of thing yeah you know? exactly exactly it's like that's a lot of people a lot of other producers ask me like how do you especially if you're not in la like how do you find the appropriate talent like good talent to work on your projects because if you're a producer you're not necessarily a cinematographer or you're not the best cinematographer right or you're not necessarily an editor or you're right. not the best editor you're not an actor or you're not the best actor or maybe you are but like yeah. <laughs> but usually you're not going to do all of those things you need to find people that are way better at you to fill each of those roles and film festival is a really good way to find that honestly yeah, the internet too i found a lot of really yeah. cool people you don't have to be like afraid to like reach out to people and that's the other thing you can make a short film and put it online, you know, the online viral videos. I have a lot of friends that are doing that right now, even for some big studios, they got like hired on from a big like network or something to yeah. create short form content for the internet, like Buzzfeed, for example, or like Comedy Central is doing that right now. But yeah, even the bigger studios are like Sony just invested in a bunch of like, they have a bunch of short form content. They bought out a bunch of channels like on youtube and and yeah. uh, facebook creators and even facebook it, it's a really good time to be in short form content mm -hmm. the challenge is you got to produce a lot yeah and that's and consistently yeah, yeah yeah like a lot of people are getting hired on as like like online content uh producers for these bigger companies mm -hmm. and it's like they have to make like a video a week and it's got to be like some of them have to be like short film quality but if you're in LA and you have access to all these really talented people and like you're getting money from Sony or Facebook or Warner Brothers or BuzzFeed or whatever, I yeah. guess it's like, that's a pretty awesome job. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's like, I found a lot of people that uh, are going to be collaborating on my upcoming films through, uh, so I have like connections in Austin, Texas and I like a bunch of the films that played at South by Southwest got put on South by Southwest, South by Southwest's website um and i watched all of them and then the ones that i really liked because i'm always looking for interesting cinematographers that's kind of um and sound engineers those are kind of the two things that i'm like man i need more good cinematographers and sound designers in my life oh yeah <laughs> so i found a bunch of short films that were just amazing and i just reached out i like everyone has social media now so it's like oh like so and so like the the director or the cinematographer on it and i can just look them up on instagram DM them and say like, I really like your stuff. Like, yeah. what do you think of this project? Do you want to work on it? And most of the time the answer is yes, because they just want to work, so. Right. And if you're a producer and you're bringing money to the table, then people are like, hell yes, I'll work on your project. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of the people on my crew, like I found them through acting on something else. Yeah, so, like you true. never know who's gonna. Yeah. Did you be have a out. budget for strangers or? I did. Yeah, we had an investor, the same investor that worked on the other film I produced, um, teamed up with me to make this happen. Oh, cool. Ian, um, Ian Berkland. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 He's a great guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know him? 
Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Original. Oh my god. <laughs> I forgot because it was it's been years. It's been a while, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was basically like, I don't know. Yeah. I had a, I have a good relationship with him. I haven't talked to him a lot. Like every He just got engaged. Every couple months I'll like hit him up and be like, Hey, what's going on? And we'll just chat. If he listens to this, congrats Ian. <laughs> Congratulations, Ian, yeah. He actually might. He's yeah. Yeah, no, he's uh, he was one of the people that I first started talking about um, escrow accounts with, and he oh, was like, right. "Yeah, totally, that's how I would do it." Yeah, he's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So what? Uh, so were you? Uh, did you pay crew, or did you have? I did. Yeah. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. so huge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was really proud to do that. <laughs> yeah, it feels good. I have an article that I uh, was on Filmmaker Freedom. I don't know if you're familiar with that website. Um, and it did pretty well. And it was just about how we paid for our crew on Blood and Leaves. It was A, why you should do that. Yeah. Um, and B, how to go about raising money to do that. And mm-hmm. really not like a deep dive into raising money because there's a lot of intricacies to it. But kind right. of like, you know, you can do this or this or this. There's like so many yeah. different options. Investors is honestly my preferred option I think yes the investors are I mean I think that's like it's so intimidating to people but it's like once you like these people want to make films happen most yeah of the time. they do and a lot of times they don't even care like our investors on button leaves they didn't care if they made their money back they did and they're happy yeah. about that yeah but like they would have been fine if they would have just like helped make a movie happen yeah and it wasn't like you got to ask people that, that you're not going to make them go broke by right. like being like, oh, I need eight grand for this film. And they're going to be like, oh, that's all of my life savings. Right. But, um, well, that's not the tree you should be barking at. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think people get intimidated, intimidated by like, there's just something in our culture, like I guess it's the class system or something where, especially if you're a filmmaker and you're not from like... I don't know, that social class, you're like intimidated by even talking to people that have that kind of money. Yeah. Um, can you like, are you, I mean, I don't know where your like family's from. Like, I don't know like if you're even really understand what I mean by that. I do. Yeah. I do because I'm kind of like both. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, talking to investors, when you pitch to an, invest- an investor, it's more of like a business meeting than like outright asking for money yeah they want it you want them to be part of your team and that's the way that they contribute you know like that's the way I see it I don't see it as like just like outright asking for money so your difference in social class like you don't even really need to think about it as money if that intimidates you you can think about it as As a partnership as a partnership and then like coming on to your movie in a particular role yeah that's actually a really solid advice (laughs) so because sometimes like when you think about money some people have like a bad relationship with money and you don't want to carry that over into your filmmaking right because i mean especially if you're poor most poor people (laughs) have a bad relationship which is the reason that like i i seriously genuinely believe like a lot of uh issues with money come from a bad relationship with money people that if you look at money as bad and evil then you're not going to have very much of it in your life I totally agree. Yeah, money is all energy, and whatever energy you give money is the energy it's gonna give yeah, back. It's, so it's, and money is good. It's just a tool. Yeah, you know? money's neutral. It's not it's, good or yeah, bad. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, good and like, it's yeah, not gonna it, hurt you. Exactly, yeah. But if all you know, and if all you're raised to know, and like a lot of artists obviously come from like 
the more impoverished class in our society. Yeah. Um, but it's like the people that I've met that have the resources to help make films happen, because films are an inherently expensive art form. Right. They also want, they're also creative. They're also artists or at least interested in the art and making movies happen. And they have the resources to help make that happen. So it's not necessarily a, I like the way that you say that about it. It's like being a partnership. Like it's, it's, it's yeah. not like a, let me take something from you. It's like, let's, let's allow you to contribute to this. And usually they want to contribute in some other way too. Yeah. Yeah. Like even, um, you know, with Ian, he wanted to, he saw the Indiegogo and had um, a conversation with me about, you know, becoming more than just like an Indiegogo contributor. Cause like, if you contribute to a film in that way, you kind of just like send your money away and then you're done and you wait for your signed poster in the mail or whatever, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> whatever perk you signed up for. But um, with Ian, he wanted to be more than that. So he, we brought him on as an executive producer and then there's like a certain level of decision-making that he's involved with as well. So like, it's just allowing someone to be a collaborator with you in yeah. a way that involves money. How do you feel about crowdfunding? Crowdfunding is uh, a necessary evil. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm pretty big on social media, so crowdfunding. I, I had two, um, some people would say they were unsuccessful campaigns, but I got what I needed yeah. to make the film happen. So in the end, it worked out. I did two campaigns for um, strangers and only made like under 500 each time. Yeah. But that worked for what we needed. And, and we, it was also the thing, the catalyst that started the conversation for the rest. Yeah. It helped everything else like work out. And mm -hmm. then there was another conversation with another executive producer at one point that came from the crowdfunding as yeah. well. So like, it's good to put yourself out there and then people know you need money. And sometimes executive producers can see it Yeah. and reach out if they're interested in working with you. That's an interesting way to look at it because I have a very complicated relationship with crowdfunding <laughs> as well. I've done uh, about like four different uh, Indiegogo Kickstarter campaigns in my career now. Mm -hmm. And the only one that we successfully raised the budget that we were trying to raise, we were only trying to raise like $600. <laughs> so every other time, I mean, with one of the leads, we raised a little over $1,000, maybe closer to maybe even over 2000 I don't remember exactly but we were trying to raise 8000 yeah. for our to finish our post production but I looked at it as more of a marketing tool um and it allowed I mean, us it is, yeah. yeah I mean it got us onto more publications when we were trying because there was a goal it wasn't just like hey watch our movie it was like hey help us finish the movie make it happen mm -hmm. and that for some reason that makes it more interesting to publications it's a little embarrassing then to have the little widget there that shows you only raised like 20% of your budget in the article forever. <laughs> yeah. But it's whatever. Yeah, I think is there too. And then people reach out after and they're like, sorry about your. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's all good. It's like, we got it made. Yeah, so it like, still happened. Yeah. You just, you know, it's like, it's good to put it out there on the crowdfunding campaign. And some, I've seen some productions make it like they get, they're yeah. Cool. Yeah. I, I've never, the only ones that I've seen successful, I've reached out to and asked how they made it happen. And basically they had the money raised beforehand and they, yeah, they <laughs> pretty much cheated because they like, I, I have one filmmaker friend specifically, well, he's, he's made 
two different like twenty thousand dollar crowdfunding. I think his first one maybe it was ten thousand, eight thousand, something like that, and then the second one was closer to twenty grand. But both of them, he had already raised all of that money beforehand, and he was just basically trying to use it as a marketing tool, and then also raise a little bit of extra money. So they I bet that worked. Yeah. So basically, how he did it was like, which is smart, you know. Yeah. I don't. I think you're losing a little bit on it because you're losing the fees from Indiegogo and then like you also lose really like the contributor's contract and like the all, I guess it's a way around it kind of. So they're not an investor, they're a contributor. But uh, yeah, so he basically, they had 20 grand ready to go and they were like, we're going to do this campaign and whatever doesn't get raised, the investor had pledged to fill out the rest of the campaign. So if you look at the history of like when it, it was like, you know, they raised like hundred dollars, $200, like $750, 20 grand. <laughs> that's <laughs> it's, a big jump. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Oh, okay. I, I mean, I guess that's kind of how our campaign worked too. The first one, because the investor like saw it and then came yeah. and spoke with us about it. And I mean it, yeah. And that's even, I don't know. He just didn't put it through Indiegogo so the world couldn't see it, but we did. Yeah, we see, were successful. <laughs> you, he should have made him do it so that he didn't look like a big failure. Well, <laughs> I personally don't care. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I think that I think that it's it's a very like um, shallow, like the, the crowdfunding. Yeah, to to be like, well, I'm going to have to put all this investor money through it to make it look like we weren't a failure. But at the same yeah. time, then they get all these that, that same filmmaker gets all these like publication coverages on like IndieWire and stuff like so-and-so film raises 20 grand on Indiegogo, which is like not a lot of people do anymore. So uh, that's true. Maybe it's smart. That's true. That is smart. Yeah. Well, I didn't think of that. I might have just turned, this conversation (laughs) might have just turned my opinion about crowdfunding (laughs) in a way of like using it as a marketing tool. But I definitely, I mean, that's a smart way to, to manipulate the whole thing, the whole yeah. Awful situation of crowdfunding. Yeah. Well, I to mean, your favor. It's it's. I think it used to be really awesome when I first started. I first used it to raise like five hundred dollars for a short film, like one of my very first short films, and I raised five hundred dollars easily on it. And people were raising crazy money back then. Yeah. That's before like name talent got involved, and like now you just get totally swallowed up by yeah. everything else. The one I don't know if you're familiar with, Seed and Spark. Yes. They are kind of introduced to it. Haven't used it yet. I'm excited to. My next film is going to go through. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I've heard it's like more successful than Indiegogo. There's like only filmmakers. Exactly, and also they have like a film like distribution platform on there, like almost like a little Netflix for like short films. That's cool. Um, So they have an audience. So it's not just like other filmmakers necessarily looking at the site yeah i think that's why it's successful because there's like film lovers on the oh, site yeah, they yeah. get to like contribute and like the way that they're it's actually a really smart business model the way that they're like um to get to watch films like if you contribute to films you get extra points towards like a discounted or free like membership to watch more films that's so awesome. it's like you get to it's like a win-win-win thing that they have set up for like film lovers and then filmmakers. It's it's like mutual beneficial thing. Yeah, I yeah, love Season Spark. I think awesome. they're really awesome. 
And if filmmaker, they also have a really awesome course on there about crowdfunding. They have a free. Sign me up. Yeah, check it out. <laughs> I actually connected with uh, Emily, who's like the CEO on Twitter, like years ago, like when we were running the Indiegogo campaign for Blood and Leaves. Otherwise, I would have done Seed and Spark. And she, just like as a filmmaker, like we connected, and then I kind of started taking part in. They used to do this film curious Twitter chat. Yes. Which was awesome. Very cool. Um, I don't think they do it anymore. Or they haven't for a while. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was cool. And then discovering all of the other stuff they do, it's been um, yeah. And almost every film that I see get put on there does much better than it would have done if it was on uh, Indiegogo or Kickstarter. Yeah. Yeah. I just saw a film like blow it out of the water on uh, Seed and Spark, and I was like, wow, gotta get, in. gotta get in on that. Especially if you have some kind of diversity aspect to it. They're really big on that or some kind of, which obviously is hard for me as a cisgender straight white male, (laughs) (laughs) but I do make content that is about like, I try to like be diverse in it. So it's, it's just kind of a, I always think it's funny (laughs) for me to be participating in diversity things, but necessary. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But also they have like a lot of, things from other cultures that are really interesting on there so if if you have something that has a unique voice it's a really great way to to get that out there because a lot of times honestly though that those are the projects too that as an investor someone's probably more likely to participate in too so it's like the industry the indie industry at least the indie industry the indie industry is and the and the actual industry are both headed towards yeah, the diverse. I think the yeah. indie industry is definitely a little bit ahead of the curve on that, but yeah, totally. the Hollywood's kind of been forced into it. Their hands been forced on like. Really. I do think they want to. I yeah, do, yeah. I do think. Well, I'm talking about more like the money, like because because oh, yeah. it, it wasn't a safe bet for a long time, which is why yeah. I didn't see it. Now, they've taken a few risks and they've really paid off big time. So yeah. pulling the emotion out of it completely, it's a good financial decision to make diverse films. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now the industry is completely like pedal to the metal. Yeah, <laughs> on, that's totally true. Which is great. Like it's yeah. great that like the, like the cold hand of capitalism, the invisible hand of capitalism is pulling things in that direction because the audience, people don't realize that as audience members, like you have a lot of power. Oh, totally. It's like voting. It's like, yeah, your one one ticket sale might not seem like it makes a difference, but hundreds of thousands of ticket sales of individual ticket sales totally yeah. decides what type of movies get made. Yeah, you have yeah, complete control over what movies get made. So go to the movies. Yeah, and go see the Especially movie. now, like you can get the AMC A-listers oh, thing. I love that. You I just found out about that. You can get movie pass, even though it's tanking, you can get... Yeah, I had movie pass know. for a while, and then they changed up their terms of service, and now it's not really... Yeah, as, we, we broke up. Yeah, me and movie pass broke up too. Yeah. <laughs> AMC now. <laughs> I'm going to. We just got an AMC in my hometown, so it's like the worst AMC ever, but... It's still AMC. AMC's are my favorite anyway. <laughs> those are those are my favorite theaters. I was super excited whenever they put one of those in Du Bois because like it's in the middle of nowhere. They bought out. Um, you live in Du Bois now? Yeah. That's so funny. I used to. Okay, so I went to Penn State for college, and I would take the mega bus like from Penn State to Pittsburgh, and we would always stop oh, and in Du Bois. Oh, you go through Du Bois, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep, that's what we're known for. It's the only <laughs> reason I know about Du Bois. We're like, yeah, we're the intersection of like how you go from like Pittsburgh to State College is like everyone everyone stops in there. No, it's actually, we have a lot of shopping and stuff there too. It's a weirdly 
successful small town. It's, that's awesome. There's a lot of culture too. I helped manage an art gallery there. Oh, that's really cool. Um, and yeah, now we have an AMC theater, which is probably the most rundown AMC theater you'll ever find, but they're working on it. They're yeah. <laughs> I was so excited. I was like, yes, I love AMC. And then like, they didn't really do anything besides put new Coke machines in. And I was like, the AMC Coke machines are really cool. Though. I was like, that's pretty cool. <laughs> but like, it'd be sweet if, uh, the projector would stay on in theater three. <laughs> <laughs> But Meanwhile, I, Burbank has three AMC's and they're all on the same block. <laughs> do they? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So Literally. This is why I need to move to LA. I like. I'm so. Um, Are you thinking about it? Ah, uh, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. I like. I actually really want to transition to like a mobile life. Uh huh. Um, so that I. Can, oh yeah, I read your your blog or Rachel's blog. Yeah. About like you bought a camper and. Yep. Yeah, we have a camper and I've been for the last like three weeks like sleeping camping out of my like honda fit i think there's definitely benefits to it and i like it here like i just like movie making so much oh there's so much opportunity it's cool to be i hate like relying on other i think the reason i had was so and this is an interesting thing just for filmmakers in general because so many people are so apprehensive about hollywood mm -hmm. and there's like this like screw the machine man like mm -hmm. i'm never gonna move out there because like because everyone does it's like a hipster thing i guess like and I think there is a, a sense of like, you want to be able to prove that you can make movies. For me, at least it was always, I want to be able to prove that movies can be made anywhere. You don't have to be in LA to make movies. Right. Um, we did that. We made a movie outside of LA. So yeah. <laughs> the thing is, there's just so many more people to work with here. Like everybody I run into is somehow a potential contributor. And yes. it's like, and when I say that I'm a producer and it's like, I make things happen. They're like, Oh shit, sign me up. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, like they're all itching to do projects. So it's Right. There's there's a lot more opportunity. Everyone here is kind of speaking your language, living the same lifestyle as you. You're not so much a fish out of water. At least I've found. Yeah. Like when you're, you know, out in Pennsylvania and you say you're an actor or a filmmaker, like nine times out of ten, you're not talking to another filmmaker. Yeah. But here, you almost always are which is really cool. So like every time you go out, you're meeting someone new that could potentially be like a, a, a collaborator. Yeah. Collaborator. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's amazing. And I mean, to be totally honest, wherever you're making films, you're always competing with this market. Yep. So you might as well be here. This is pretty much what we found, like producing Blood on the Leaves out in the middle of the woods in Western Pennsylvania, which I still think that was the place to make that film. Mm -hmm. um, but we had to pull from New York and we had to pull from Cleveland and Cincinnati to get the talent that we could even kind of compete with the rest. Because on the audience doesn't care. They're yeah. completely impartial to how the movie was made. They right. care about the end product. So if right. the end product sucks in one way or another <laughs> or doesn't live up to the standards of what the industry is doing, yeah. If it's not living up to the standards of like Black Panther and stuff like that, yeah. like, and I get it, like, there's no way you're, but there's, you got to get as close as you can get to and like yeah, it has a high to be quality an plus movie. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, that's like been the major thing with the movie with Blood on the Leaves is like, we get a ton of like, wow, the story was amazing. The acting was really good. But like this one production, like too bad the production quality wasn't better. And it's like production quality was basically as good as we possibly could do out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So that definitely was kind of an eye opener of like, oh, okay, maybe I should get over myself <laughs> and like participate, at least like hire people from LA and New York. And yeah, 
I mean, you can tell that the people who are here are very serious about the industry, not that people who live in other places aren't very serious about the industry, but the resources here, like you don't have them anywhere else. There's something to the competitiveness yeah. of being in a city that is constantly, like these people are constantly working. You know, a, a cinematographer in, in Du Bois, Pennsylvania is probably only working on their craft like one day out of the week if they're lucky where like a cinematographer here is on like high level stuff every single day. Yeah. And it's, you just can't compare the amount of practice and obviously the money, like they're going to charge more for things, but it's like, there's the catch 22. You get better people on your project. You can raise more money. That's like, yeah, absolutely. And even like for me, when I moved out here, one of the main things I considered was I'm competing against all of these actors anyway. Yeah, I'm just doing it from a much less, much less advantageous point of view. You're, yeah, and you don't I'm, have the resources that you yeah. do out here. That's an interesting perspective on it, for sure. So, I mean, when you think about it, the films that, say, you know, I was in Pittsburgh, if there's two or three movies shooting there at any given time, maybe. <laughs> yeah. And um, everyone who's cast in it came from here, except for really small parts. And even for those, we're the second filter. Mm-hmm. So... Think about how many opportunities you're getting from that point versus if you were here getting, you know, the larger auditions. Like there's a couple of shows that were shooting in Pittsburgh and, you know, I have friends here that audition for all the lead roles in those shows and then friends back home that are auditioning for like, you know, waitress or like yeah. bartender, smaller things, which are great roles, all I, of them. But I it's think still- it's like probably the people that I've seen be most successful moving out here had started somewhere else. Yeah, I think that's kind of the way to go about it is to do some projects in a smaller market and then come here with some track record. Well, since I came here with the track record, I don't really know and can't speak to what it's like to come here without one. That's true. <laughs> I'm sure that <laughs> I'm sure it helped a lot. You know, like I came here with an agent already locked down. Um, already sending me out. So I didn't, I had like a really good, um, launching pad coming here. So I think, yeah, I think if you start in a smaller market and get some, some recognizable names on your resume, that would totally help you coming out here and you would already be, you know, going into the room with more established actors. Yeah. I feel the same way about producing. It's like having produced stuff out, out of, Hollywood because it's hard to get stuff made here honestly like some of the people that I know that are producers here uh have not ever produced one finished film oh really (laughs) yeah I have a couple friends that they make their living as producers like they make all of their money from producer fees um and they haven't made any they haven't finished any films and they always like look at me and they're like Hey, I mean, cause I'm always like, oh, you're like a real producer. And I'm just like this guy making movies out in the middle of nowhere. And they're like, yeah, but you actually made a film. <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay. So if you take that, if you can make an actual project and finish it and maybe do something with it from a small market, even if it's not at the quality you'd like it to be, yeah. then bring that to a bigger market, New York or LA, where you're able to work with top talent, then you kind of have that track record of like, yeah, I can finish things. And people are going to take you so much more serious than the 90% of people working on stuff out here that aren't finishing stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that 100%. Finishing stuff. The most finish something. Finish your stuff. (laughs) That's like the most important part of like finish something because that's your calling card. 
you know, yeah, you have exactly. to have something to yeah. show for the work that you do. Well, and if you get known as the person that like, and so many people are known as this, if you get known as the person, director, writer, producer, whatever, that doesn't finish things, like, that spreads pretty fast. I know yeah. actors that like, they basically know, like, don't work with that director because that project's never going to get finished. Unless you're yeah. getting paid, then like, whatever. Yeah, then, <laughs> then you're chasing a check that's different than making a movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But there's definitely, oh, I see so many filmmakers go down that rabbit hole of like, and I get it because you've got a lot of different things that you want to do. And like, if it's not, it's just so easy to forget the project that you're working on and be like, well, that's just not going to happen now and move on to the next one. But that right. really quickly builds up a, a uh, uh, reputation. reputation that's not yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. So if you finish, if you work on 12 films in two years, but don't finish any of them versus working on one film in two years and you finish it. I would much prefer that. Yeah. Just one film in two years and finish it, start to finish, get it, get it screened somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Get it online. Get it on the internet. Get yep. people to watch it. Yeah. But even just having it finished is something. Like yeah, that's totally. Okay. Even yeah. if you finish it and nothing happens, you can just at least show that to your future collaborators. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. What's been your biggest driver for continuing and uh like the things that you consider successes in your career what's gotten you there my biggest motivator to keep going yeah sure what you mean um my biggest motivator to keep going is i guess making films is like such a like a true passion for me that i have to do it like there's no there's no not making films yeah like i think I've, i've had a couple conversations with my aunt where i feel like i want to quit and then she's like, okay, quit to what? And it's just like blank wow. air. <laughs> and it, there is no quit to what. Because I would, I mean, realistically, I'd probably get an office job and then start going out on auditions and start making movies with my friends again. And it would just like circle back to this. Right. It's always this. So um, I think when you are a filmmaker and, you, and you're heart of hearts and you really love it, there is no giving up. There is no losing motivation. And you have to. It's like a painter. You have to paint. A writer just, has to write. It's just yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, you know if you're if you're like that. Yeah. You like start dying inside because yeah. you're not creating. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Thank Where can you. people find you on the internet if they want to check out um, the trailer for your film or anything else? Uh, you guys can go to my Instagram. It's at Katie Sieta, uh, K A T I E C E T T A on Instagram. C E T T. A. A. <laughs> <laughs> I just know when I first met you, I could not get that right. So I think I've seen it enough times. I'm good now. But yeah. All right. So check out Katie's stuff. And thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Movies in the Black. I hope you found that useful. I certainly did. If you are enjoying this show, we're releasing every Tuesday. You can subscribe wherever you're listening. We're working on getting this out to more platforms as well. You can also check out our website, moviesintheblack.com, where I share blog posts. You can subscribe to the newsletter so you get those as those come out. And uh, always be feel free to leave some of your feedback. I really enjoy hearing from you. I enjoy some of the questions I've got so far. And I might not always be able to answer your questions, but I will do the best I can. And I will also try to find guests that maybe can answer those questions if I can't. So thank you for listening. See you next week.